Come on, setting up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to BibleQuest.org. This is where we have our discussion every Tuesday afternoon on a variety of biblical topics. If you want to suggest a topic, by the way, for future shows, we want to hear from you. And it could be on anything, even current events that may have applications from the Bible. So let us know. As always, we invite you to text in your comments and questions during today's show. Click on the Q&A button, which you'll find near the bottom of the video screen. When you do that, it'll pop up a window. Make sure you have the window open and use that one. Don't use the chat button. Now, before we begin, I'd like to welcome our panelists. Hi, Scott. How are you doing down there in Gettysburg? Doing fine. Afternoon, everybody. Good to see you. Also from Gettysburg is Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Hey, welcome, everybody. From Exton, Pennsylvania, we have Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello. Good afternoon. And I'm your host. Drew DeGrado from Honesdale, Pennsylvania. Welcome, everybody. We're happy you're here today. Okay, so let's get into our discussion, which is part two of the Old Testament foreshadows. Scott, why don't you start us off today? All right. Last week, we, using this text, and there's others that talk about this, but Hebrews 10.1 said law had a shadow of good things to come. And we, we talked about how you have foreshadowing in novels, and we have these foreshadows in the Bible. We looked at several last time, and today we're, we said we would continue today, and we're going to be talking about Joseph. And so for the first little part, while in the program, the panelists are going to be discussing the story of Joseph and going through the biblical accounts. And what we want you to do in the audience, as we go through the story of Joseph, watch for shadows of Christ. And, and so when you see those, text us at this number here, 530-507-8378. Or if you're at the BibleQuest.org uh, website, uh, you can use the, which was it? Uh, the Q&A button. The Q&A button. Q button. Yeah, I always get that wrong. Uh, use the Q&A button. After you, uh, after, you come into the, after you come into the show, you'll see the Q&A button in the video. Right. So if you're at that website, use the Q&A button. And comment, ask your questions, make your points, show, tell us the analogies that you're seeing between Joseph and Jesus as we go through it. If you're on Facebook Live, you can see the text number there, just text us. So guys, let's start off with who is Joseph? Where does he come from? Who's his, who's his grandparents, et cetera? Who is Joseph? Well, Joseph's well, Jacob's son. Yeah, he won 12 sons. He was... Um... He was the next to the youngest of Jacob's 12 sons and, and the one of his favorite wife, Rachel. And Jacob, of course, is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Isaac, son of Abraham. So these are the guys, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to whom God had made the promises of great nations going to come from them. And then Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, his other name is Israel. And so his descendants are going to be the Israelites. And he has these 12 sons. And what stands out about Joseph in the beginning? He, he, he's, he's not his favorite, coat. but he has these dreams that get him in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in Genesis 37, what are, what are some of the things there it tells us? We've got that he's his favorite and his dreams. Expound on these things, guys. Well, I did, I did mention the coat. 
the oh, yeah. S, but the code the code comes into the story later because his father gave him this special coat. Yeah, so he's got twelve sons, and how many did he make his special coat for? Just Joseph. Just Joseph. Which was kind of a pretty clear indication to Joseph's brothers that Joseph is the favorite. Yeah, Joseph is clearly the favorite. They don't much like that. Kind of a daily reminder. There's a couple of other reasons they don't like him. What are the other reasons that they don't like him? Well, he's a dreamer. Yeah, and and yet his dreams always put him in an exalted position and uh, his brothers and then later on his brothers and his parents bowing down to him. Yeah, like in Genesis 37, 5, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheep arose and stood upright. Behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. (laughs) This is not a popular dream with his brothers. No. They keep bowing down to him in in his dream. There's also another reason that uh, they don't like him. He brought a bad report of them uh, to their father. They'd been up to no good, apparently, and he'd let their father. So they've got several reasons behind their bad attitudes. Yeah. And that leads up to what happens now. Well, the father, Isaac, sends Joseph to go check on his brothers. and Joseph. Jacob Jacob sends Joseph. Yeah, Jacob sends Joseph. (laughs) Dad was preaching here at Exxon recently, and he was talking about a sermon where at the end of his sermon, when I was a kid, I said to him, well, Dad, that's a good sermon, but everybody in it was named Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, so Jacob sends Joseph to check on his brothers, and he goes to Shechem where he thinks he'll find them, and they're not there. And somebody says, what What are you looking for? He says, I'm, I'm looking for my brothers. And so he's, he's told, go to Dothan. You'll find them down there. So he goes to Dothan. They see him coming. And uh, I'll let somebody else tell the story of what happens. Well, they were trying to figure out. The dreamer. Yeah. yeah they, <laughs> here comes that dreamer. But uh, they said, let's uh, let's just do him in. Let's kill him. Let's throw him in a pit here and just get rid of him. Reuben wasn't too excited about killing him, wanted to find a way around that, put him in the pit. But then while Reuben is apparently away with something, somebody else amongst the brothers has another idea. Yeah. I also think it's kind of interesting right there. They throw him in the pit, and then they sit down to eat. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the other idea was Judah uh, says – uh, you know, what profit is there if we if we kill him? Let's sell him to some slave traders. That are, there are some slave traders coming through. He says, let's sell him. So so they do. They sell him for 20 pieces of silver, and he is taken off to Egypt. Meanwhile, the brothers take his coat, dip it in the blood of a goat, take it back to Jacob and say, is this your son's coat? You know, we found it. And let him draw his own conclusion. All right. I, so- I just chuckled at that for a minute because they asked the question, is this your son's coat? Like, the, come on. <laughs> John, we need to move along here in the story, but let me just mention real quickly here. I think there's a significant contrast in their in their concern for their father's feelings on this occasion. And then later on in the story, uh, when uh, they think they're going to have to go home without Benjamin, uh, and they're very concerned about what that would do to their father at that time. And what we see is a change of heart. What we see mm-hmm. is repentance on the brother's part. But I'm yeah. getting ahead of us. Yeah. What happens to him in Egypt? So, yeah, he's, he's sold off into Egypt, and, 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 and the father thinks he's dead. He said, without a doubt, my son has been devoured by beasts. So as far as he's concerned, his son is dead. And he says, I'll go to my grave 
in the morning. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Joseph's not dead. He's down in Egypt. And now we're to Genesis 39. Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Okay, so now he's bought as a slave by Potiphar. What happens next? Well, he ends up doing very well. The Lord is with him. And so Potiphar ends up putting him over all of Potiphar's house so that Potiphar concerned himself with nothing except the food that he ate. Everything else, Joseph was in charge of it. And that was how that was things were going pretty well until Potiphar's wife took a fancy to Joseph and wanted to seduce him. And when he wouldn't cooperate, uh, she tried to she tried to, to make him do so. And he took off running out of the house, left his coat in her hands. And she then used that as basis for charging him, uh, accusing him of having tried to rape her. Now she's the woman spurned. And as, as sometimes you'll see people do. When they are blaming somebody else, they're the ones that are actually guilty of what they're trying to put the blame on someone else for. Mm -hmm. And and his behavior here is innocent and good and a very literal uh, illustration of flee fornication. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't say, well, let's just sit and snuggle. (laughs) He, he, (laughs) He runs. He flees. This is not the place he needs to be. He, he gets out. But she, she brings this uh, false charge against him. Now, remember, audience, what we're looking for, we want you to be watching for shadows in Joseph's life and texting us with those uh, or using the Q&A button if you're on the BibleQuest uh, website. And uh, at the end, we'll be going through and looking at all the different analogies. But right now, be listening and thinking and, and uh, commenting in with your comments and questions. All right. So now he, he, he went from favorite son to being thrown in a pit. And they, they thought about killing him, uh, sold into slavery, rises up to a position there. But now he's got this false charge level against him. Now he's thrown in prison. Now what happens? Well, he's a faithful prisoner and he is uh, over and over shows himself to be trustworthy. So he's given some measure of authority in the prison. Uh, whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. He was a trustee, and, you might say. Yeah, and so the keeper of the prison, it says a very similar thing, like it says of Pharaoh. He paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord is with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So while he's in prison, he meets two other notable prisoners, uh, the one who had been the, the baker to Pharaoh and the one who had been his, uh, his chief cupbearer. All right, and let's so, pause for just a second and take some comments, and then we'll get right back to that story. Uh, J. Joe says, Joseph was put down by his brothers. Jesus was put down by his brothers. Gospel of John mentions that in John 7. They didn't believe in him. And we have another viewer. Joseph's brothers didn't accept him. Jesus's brothers didn't accept him. Very good. Thanks for those comments. Continue, Steve. So there comes a time when both of these other prisoners have dreams, and Joseph, uh, they come to to Joseph and they say, well, we've had these weird, weird dreams. Can you interpret them? And he says, well, interpretation belongs to God. They tell him the, the visions. And he says, essentially to one, you're going to re- be restored to your old um, position. And the other one, your head is going to be lifted up from you. And you're going to be, yeah. uh, you're going to be killed. And on the third day, it's Pharaoh's birthday and he makes feast. And these exact things come to pass. And he asks 
the cupbearer, when he is returned, to remember him. But it, chapter 40 ends with, yet the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And then 41 picks up with, after two whole years, yeah. Pharaoh dreamed. And so we just read over, right over that. But uh, there's so much waiting that goes on in Joseph's life. and uh, Yeah, a lot of waiting and things not going well. And things going worse and worse. Sold into slavery, not too good, does well, thrown in prison. And he's there with two other prisoners. And good things are going to happen for one, bad things are going to happen for the other prisoner. All right. So eventually, what causes this fellow to finally remember Joseph? Oh, yeah. I think the Pharaoh, he had a dream, didn't he? That is right. He, he had, had a dream. dream. What do you see that dream? I know, I, can go, I know someone who can interpret dreams. Yeah, because he saw the the uh, seven uh, fat cattle, and then they're swallowed up by seven skinny lean cattle. And you have the the seven uh, fat grain, and they're they're swallowed up by the lean. What does this mean? And so the cupbearer says, "Oh, <laughs> I remember." Um, yeah, kind of like um, Uncle What's-His-Name in It's a Wonderful Life with the string on his finger. Um, there's a guy in prison. And so what happens next? Well, they get him out of prison and bring him in to start uh, to help out Pharaoh with, his, with, his, uh, interp- with the interpretation. Yeah, and so this brings us up, if you're following along in your Bible, to uh, Genesis 41. And what does Pharaoh, what does Joseph explain to Pharaoh is going to happen? Seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And what's interesting is he kind of adds his own advice on top of that and says, you need to take a fifth of everything and save it up so that there'll be food during these seven intense years. He says, look, the famine's going to be so bad, you won't even remember uh, the seven years of plenty you had leading up to the famine. So, in, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 37, this proposal pleased Pharaoh and all servants— And Pharaoh said, can we find a man like this in whom is the spirit of God? And Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house and all my people uh, shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Uh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. He puts his ring on his hand and clothes him in fine linen, put the gold on, etc. All right, pick it up from there, somebody. Well, it just so happens he was 30 years old when this started, right? He stands up before Pharaoh when he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And he went out then through all the land of Egypt. And so at this point, he becomes famous in, in a, a public service and, and leading people to, to where they needed to be. All right, what else? Oh, we, lost, we lost Jeff's uh, audio. I turned off. I couldn't hear what the problem was. You there wouldn't believe is. all the fantastic points I've been making. <laughs> 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 Just to read through that section, though, where Pharaoh exalts Joseph. Then it says in verse 43, he had him ride. Pharaoh had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee, and he set him over all the land of Egypt. And moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I am Pharaoh, Yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And so, so you authority see, had been given to Joseph. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, and there we have uh, 
Drew just mentioned down here in verse uh, 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered into this service of the king. Hey, hey, hey Scott, let me, yeah. let me interrupt you for a second, because uh, some of you just came in. We talked about the two, two, two prisoners. Yes. That just, so, that, so this comment came in. Joseph's brother, I'm sorry, where was it? In the middle. Joseph, Read that one. I just lost it. Joseph's brothers didn't accept accept him. Jesus' brothers. I'm sorry. I'm reading the wrong, wrong one. Next one. Joseph, seeing the future of approaching perils, warns them for their benefit. Jesus, seeing the future, issues warnings to prepare those who will listen. Uh, now, now I know which one we we all missed. It's in the answered one. Yeah, it says the two thieves are very much like the two men in prison with Joseph. Yeah, and oh, very good. I we were curious if anyone was going to pick up on that one real quick, but there's a lot more. Come on, there's talk. more. All right, good job, audience. Uh, keep keep texting in and and uh, uh, or using the Q and A button there uh, with with your answers. We appreciate the involvement. All right, so. We've got, he, he's at age 30, he's entered into the service of the king. He's getting, he's, he's, people are bowing down to him. He's, he's getting people ready. Uh, and that leads up to what happens. Then, of course, eventually the famine, during the years of plenty, they're prepared. Then the famine hits and Egypt is ready. But the nations roundabout weren't. They didn't have Joseph getting them prepared. So what happens next? Well, among the rest of the world that was not prepared is joseph's brothers his family uh jacob and uh all of them and so they send uh some of the brothers down to egypt and his father uh in joseph's absence has now made benjamin the favorite so he keeps benjamin back he sends his brothers down to egypt and they come this is genesis 42 for those of you keeping up go ahead go ahead steve 10 brothers coming down yep and so the 10 brothers come to joseph not knowing that it's joseph some really cool dramatic irony that goes on in this section. And uh, he asks them some questions and he says, do you have another brother? And well, off, let's, let's touch on verse six. Also, Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. Joseph's brothers came and bowed, bowed down. themselves down before him. Ooh, that's, that's what Joseph had dreamed. And that's they, what he had dreamed. They didn't think much of it back then. <laughs> Yeah. Do they realize that they are bowing down before their brother yet? No, no. They haven't recognized him yet. They're, they were older. He's younger. He would have changed more. He's dressed like an Egyptian. You know, uh, they don't recognize him. He, he didn't recognize it. All right, let's go ahead. Go back, Steve. So uh, he asked questions. They find out that they have another brother. Um, and then they uh, go back, he says, uh, or he accuses them and says, uh, you're spies. You come here to spy out the land. And of course, like, no, we're not. No, we're not. And he's like, well, prove it by bringing your youngest brother back with you. And then he also puts their money back in their stacks. And so they leave and they discover the money and they're like, what is going on? And they're, of course, terrified to return because they got their money back in their sacks. They ask um, their father, hey, we we, get, we got to go back, uh, and he wants Benjamin to come with him. And he's like, I lost Joseph. I'm not going to lose Benjamin, too. Um, this is a side note. It's interesting that Reuben initially is the one who says, you can kill my two sons if I don't bring him back, which doesn't seem to sway him very much. More <laughs> loss is not exactly motivating. Um, but Genesis 43, if you watch Judas change, this is just really cool. Um, but uh, Judah offers himself instead of, of Benjamin and 
convinces the brothers, hey, or convinces uh, Jacob to let Benjamin go back. And so they end up heading back to uh, to Egypt with double the money uh, for because they've they got to have grain. They, the famine's bad and they've got to, they're kind of forced to go back to him. Also look back at Genesis 42, verse 22. Hold on to that thought, Scott. Hold on a second, because there are some people that are coming in, some very similar. Um, oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, in fact, two people say this. J. Uh, J. Joe says this, and another viewer says this, uh, referring to Joseph seeing the future of the approaching perils and warns them for the, uh, warns them for their benefit. And then the other viewer says, Joseph prophesied about the famine that would lead to devastation in Egypt, Jesus prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem. All right, yeah. I heard of that one before. All right. And listen to this in Genesis 42, 22. Reuben said, as things are starting to go bad before this powerful man with Pharaoh, Reuben says in Genesis 22, uh, 20, excuse me, 42, 22. Reuben answered them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? He did been the one that tried to spare, but you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. Now they didn't kill him themselves. They sold him to slavery, but what's the assumption has likely happened by now? You know, that Surely he's dead. For his blood. Mm-hmm. All right. So what happens next? He said, you have to bring back your youngest brother, and eventually they're put in a bind where they have to do that. So what happens now? So so Jacob sends Benjamin with the brothers. Now, Simeon has been kept in Egypt all this time as a hostage. Uh, and so now you have the brothers, including Benjamin, heading down from Canaan to Egypt. And they're going with double the money and extra gifts and everything for this great ruler in Egypt, which is their brother. And they don't know it. And they get down there, and when they when they arrive, they're told to go to Joseph's house. And they go, and there's a big dinner prepared for them, and Simeon is brought out of jail. So now you have 11, 11 brothers coming, and, and Joseph walks in and appears to them, and, and yet they still don't know who he is. And, and he dines with them um, at this point. So And this time there's one extra brother, because the last time... That the first time there were only ten brothers there, mm-hmm. but now we have the eleven. Yeah. All right. What what next? Well, they uh, are are then told they can go on their way, except for uh, and they would go on their way, but but Joseph has his silver cup put in Benjamin's sack, unbeknownst to the brothers. And so then they head back to Canaan with their grain and everything. They don't get very far before Joseph's messengers overtake them and accuse them of having stolen Joseph's cup. And they say, oh, no, we didn't steal the cup. You can check our, our bags. And if you find the cup in any, any of our bags, whosever bag you find it in, you can kill him and the rest of us will be your slaves. And so they start with the oldest brother and they check his bag and the next oldest and all the way down. And the last bag they check is Benjamin. And there's the silver cup. So now this would mean if, if, if what the brothers said is carried out, now Benjamin's going to be put to death and the other brothers would be slaves. And, and, and it's interesting here, they're taken back to Joseph and, and they are not so much thinking of themselves now as they are thinking of their father. Let's read the text there. Genesis 44, verse 18. Judah went up to him and said, 
Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word in my Lord's ears. Let not your anger burn against your servant, for you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servant, saying, have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we have a father, an old man and a young brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead. Again, here, they think, you know, Joseph is dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, bring him down to me that I may set eyes on him. We said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father, for I, if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, uh, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One has left me. I said, surely he has been torn in pieces. I have never seen him since. If you take this one also and harm happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs in evil down to Sheol. And so this is where he's trying and pleading. And so finally, we get to Genesis chapter 45. And what does it say in verse 1? He could not control himself. And he cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud, and and he said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? He had to repeat that to them because they're a little bit stunned. Uh, So he says, come closer to me. I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And then he makes a powerful statement in verse 5. Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Yeah. Yeah. So he's pres- he had, through Joseph, life was being given to the people, not just in Egypt, but other places in the world. And back up at verse 3, he says, he identifies himself. I am Joseph. And what's their reaction at the end of verse 3? They were dismayed at his presence. Dismayed right. at his presence. Yeah. All right. So... He says in verse nine, hurry and go up to my father and say, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. They come down into the land of Goshen. Pharaoh treats them well. And then um, after Joseph's death, things will go south. uh, But he'll tell them, take my bones when you go. Uh, But any other final things here wrapping up the story of Joseph? There's one little detail. It goes on and talks about how then they they fared through the famine years and how Joseph administered everything. And first of all, they come and they buy grain that's been stored up. The Egyptians do. And then they buy, then they run out of money to buy grain. So they bring their livestock and they end up selling themselves and their lands and everything to buy grain. And Joseph ends up making this statement. It's in Genesis chapter 47 and verse 23. Joseph said to the people, behold, I have today bought you and your land. Oh, Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. All right. Well, his brothers, when when the father finally dies, his brothers are afraid that, oh, now that he's dead, he's going to do this. And and Joseph says, no, don't worry. You're my brethren. I know you going back to when they had sold him. I know you meant it for evil. But God 
augmented for good. All right, now, before we move on here, let's just notice this. The book of Genesis, okay? We get to Abraham in what chapter? 12. Yeah, you get his family at the end of 11, and then 12, the promises are made. Yep. You have a number of accounts of Abraham, and then his son Isaac. How many accounts do we have of Isaac? You, you mean how many stories or chapters? Or? Yeah. Not so many. Not so many. Not so many. And one of the most important is what we talked about last week, and we looked at illustrations between Isaac and Jesus. Then you have Jacob, and there's a good bit about Jacob, and a lot about Jacob ends up having to do with his family, and a lot of that ends up having to do, of course, right with Joseph. Then Joseph, from Genesis 37 on, who is central to it's, the book of Genesis? It's the story of Joseph. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it ends with him being mummified and, you know, take my bones when, when you go. All right. So uh, before we move on, just a couple of other comments that have come in. Um, Joseph never stops loving his, his family and seeks unity and peace. Uh, and both Joseph and Jesus forgives those who wrong, as we just noted. Genesis oh, very good. with the very story good. of Joseph's forgiveness. Yeah. I don't know if we read this Forgive them. They know not what they do. I don't know if we read the one. The other one came in from the audience. It says Joseph was separated from his father, just like Jesus was separated from his. Both went to a foreign land or earth and underwent suffering, but also exhibited patience in their trials. Oh, very good. And somebody observed that. Um, oh, I lost it. Hang on. I'll scroll down to it. There it is. Both Joseph, both Jesus and Joseph were sold for several pieces of silver. Yeah. Who were supposed to be friends or companions. Yeah, very good, very good. And both faced temptation, resisted it, and sinned not. We may tease the audience a little bit here and just say, when both were sold uh, by companions, tell us who, what particular companion came up with the idea of selling in both cases. Yeah. Who came up with the idea of selling Joseph and who came up with the idea of selling Jesus? That's a really good one. So we're going to wait here a minute uh, and see who can give us that answer. Uh, and the, the answer back in Genesis, if you want to look for it. We got one answer in already. All right, good. What you got, Drew? Uh, Judah and Judas. That's it. Jeff, what if I say, okay, those names are close, but it's not the same name. Well, they're not the same in our Bibles. One spelled J-U-D-A-H, and the other one has an S at the end. But back then, they were the same name. When yes, you absolutely. Hebrew to English in the Old Testament, it comes out Judah. When you go from Hebrew to Greek to English in the New Testament, it comes out Judas. But there was no difference back then. It's the same name. Yeah, you've got, you've got all these Old Testament names used in the New Testament, and by the time it comes through Greek and English, we don't always recognize them, but they're Hebrews' names. Mary's name was not Mary, it's Miriam. Miriam is named after uh, Moses. Moses' James was not J-A-M-E-S. His name was Jacob, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, uh, Simon, you'll notice James will call him by the more Hebrew Simeon. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and Matthew was Levi. And Judas was Judah. Judah. And so you have, in both cases, Judah, one of 12, comes up with the idea of selling either Joseph or Jesus for so many pieces of silver. 
So when Jesus says, one of you betrayed me, if somebody was thinking about typology, they might have gone, Judah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. right. All right. Do we have any other audience comments before we start pulling together our slides here? Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, we do. What do we got? Jesus bought his brothers with his blood, and Joseph bought his brothers. And not only his, his brothers, but there, there's the passage we read just a moment ago where Joseph bought all the people of Egypt, and Jesus buys his whole kingdom with his. All right. Yeah. Any Did other I leave any out there, Jeff? Did I leave any out? I don't see any that we've skipped. We may have skipped something, but I think we may be caught up. Okay. Hey, I want to thank the audience today. We have we've been doing this for a few weeks now. And there's four of us, and sometimes we get to talking, but we're wanting more audience input, and we're getting that today, and we really appreciate it. And what we want to do is when your comment comes in, we want to pause and get to your comment. So this is more, this is what we're looking for, and uh, we really appreciate the audience uh, chiming in and taking part today. All right, anything else before, we're about to put up some slides where we're going to go through, and we're just going to see a number of analogies, some that have been pointed out, and some that haven't been. Anybody have any other comments before we get to that or any other comments from the audience? Get to them. All right. So we have, well, frozen screen. <laughs> <laughs> my computer is frozen up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, now, how long did Joseph wait before the fellow remembered him? <laughs> Two years. You only had to wait 10 seconds. Oh, that's not, okay. That's That's not not too bad. So Joseph and Jesus, the beloved son sent by the father. Joseph went doing what? Yeah, seeking his brothers. Jesus came seeking brethren as well. How did Joseph's brothers react? They rejected him. They were gonna... John chapter 7, Jesus' even his own brothers did not believe in it. And we also just had another comment that both suffered injustice in several ways all the way up to their mission's goals. Yeah. So part of that is the suffering from their brethren. Yeah. And they're not – remember when Peter says, if you suffer, suffer for being righteous, not because you've been behaving badly. A lot of people suffer because they behave badly. Joseph is righteous. In fact, do you ever, I'm not saying Joseph didn't sin, but in the biblical record, do we see any record of sin from Joseph? No, no, no. We see a righteous man suffering. All right. So he's rejected by his brothers. And is there a conspiracy to kill Joseph? Mm -hmm. Yep. Conspiracy to kill Jesus. Yep. Who plots to sell him? Judah. Judah is the one. It says, what profit is is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let us sell him. And, of course, Judas is the one who comes up with the idea, I'll, I'll, what will you give me for him? I'll sell him to you. Yeah, yeah. Why, why pass up an opportunity to make money if you're going to do somebody in? And uh, what was the, cur- the item of currency? Silver. Silver. And then where did they put him? In the pit. So explain how the, that would be true of Jesus. Well, he's put, uh, one of you was pointing out that the word here is not Sheol, 
But the idea of going down to the pit throughout the Old Testament is connected to the idea of Sheol. Especially in the Psalms. Stephen, you were mentioning that. Yeah, that's what it says right there in Genesis 37, um, in verse 28. Then they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit. And there's several times in the Psalms where it talks about, you've rescued my life from the pit, my soul from the grave. Mm-hmm. Or you, you've brought, I thought I would go down to the pit and I would go down to Sheol, um, things like that. Right. And so that idea of the pit in Hebrew is strongly connected with the idea of the grave. And so it's not a literal resurrection in Joseph's case, but he is brought up out of the pit. Yeah, yeah. And somebody and course, dug out that pit and somebody had... had uh, chiseled away the tomb where Jesus was put, but then they're both brought out. And was Joseph a victim of false witness? Oh, absolutely. Potter's wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus a victim of false witness? Yes. Before the council. And as one of our uh, audience members pointed this out, we see Joseph with two prisoners and good things are going to happen to one and bad things to the other. And we see Jesus with two prisoners. Now, they're all three going to die on the cross, but for one of those, Jesus made the promise. This day you'll be with me in paradise. Yeah, and the other, of course, not. And Psalm 110, one of the most important, we, sometime maybe on this program we'll be talking more about Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, you know, sit on my right hand. The, Acts 2 is, is an ano- announcement of an inauguration, among other things. Uh, so Joseph rises to the right hand of the king, as does Joseph. And then, what was it that Joseph had done? What, why, the, the purpose for Pharaoh and, and Joseph was to have this grain, and it ended up bringing life to the world. Made much people alive. In Genesis 41, verse 57, it says, Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. And in in John chapter 6, and in verse, let me pull it up here. Uh, verse 51, it says, Jesus said, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Beautiful. Next, the dead was seen alive. They thought he was dead. You know, they refer to him as being dead. They talk about, you know, his blood being on us. And then they're seen alive. And when he's seen alive, he says, I am Joseph. What does Jesus say in Luke chapter 24? It's me. And of course they were dismayed. And he's alive. How can this be? Yeah, yeah. This is not what they expected. And in Luke 24, earlier he had not been recognized. Disciples on the road to Emmaus. Yeah, they didn't know it was him that they're even talking to. Mary thought he was the gardener. Yeah. And let me just comment on this uh, as an explanation, because I know this is a side point, but we got just a couple minutes. I'll, I'll mention it. Jehovah's Witnesses teach that Jesus's body never rose from the dead. Uh, that's that's as part of their theology. The body of Jesus never rose from the dead. And so th- this is one of the points I'll use. It, they didn't recognize it. But if you look at that account there, John 20, it says, that, well, Mary's crying, 
And she sees somebody she thinks is the gardener. And she says, if you know where you put him, tell me where you put him. She thinking him to be the gardener. And then when he says, Mary, do you remember what the text says? She did what? She turned. She turned. And said, Rabona. Now, that doesn't mean she's looking at him and he says, Mary, and she turns. It means she wasn't looking, facing. But she didn't recognize. And at the Sea of Galilee, at first, they didn't recognize him. Uh, Joseph was not at first recognized. But then, just, just just as certainly as the brothers seeing this one they thought was dead alive, they're dismayed. Then there's the disciples when they realize it's Jesus. They're they're disbelieving for joy. They thought it was a ghost at first, and then yeah, yeah, disbelieving for joy. So similar. I, I like that phrase, disbelieve for joy. Yeah. You think about it when something really shocking happens to somebody. What? I can't believe it. What, yeah, yeah, three words. That's what comes on. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Disbelief for joy. Yeah, so I'm, you're the math expert. <laughs> We've had several comments. How many is that? All right. We've had several comments come in here. Uh, we've got, uh, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth, all the nations will come. Uh, in Israel, Jerusalem, and the idea, of course, prophesied in Isaiah 2, Micah 4. All nations coming in like they came to Joseph. Yeah, and then, nations flowing in. Yeah, and then we also have uh, Israel's children came to Joseph from a land uh, barren of things that could satisfy their needs, believing he could give them what they needed. He does give them temporary benefits and rest, but even Joseph recognizes he was not home yet. Spiritual Israel comes to Christ from a barren, sinful, hopeless state and gaining good and needed things in this life and a greater inheritance and eternal rest in our heavenly home. He that hungers after righteousness shall be filled. Well, we've got almost out of time. We've got a couple more we really yeah. need to get to here. Okay, so first time, how many did he meet with? Joseph appeared to, Joseph whom he thought was dead, appears to 10 of them and then to 11 of them. And? Jesus, who was dead, then appears to 10 of the apostles. Judas has killed himself, so he's not there. And Thomas wasn't there, so just 10. And then the following week, he appears to all of them, and Thomas is there. So first 10 and then 11. All right. And then... Salvation comes even though the people who did it did not intend good to Jesus. You the act of Jesus' death. One of our, one of our audience members pointed out the forgiveness here. Joseph forgave his brothers. And Jesus on the cross says, forgive them. They know not what they do. Stephen. And on that point of forgiveness, it's just also interesting to me. We don't have time to go into all the details. But that dinner that Joseph hosts in Genesis 43, there's a lot of parallels to the Last Supper and the Lord's Supper. Um, that, that Jesus uh, hosted. And one of the most notable is that both of them host their betrayers and treat them with kindness. That's there's other right. parallels, like there's 12 right. sons of Jacob, there's 12 apostles, their feet are washed, they eat bread and wine. Um, but it's just amazing to see Joseph knew what his brothers had done. Jesus knew what his apostles would do, and particularly Judas, but all of them would flee from him that night. And yet they still invite their betrayers into a restored relationship with them. Uh, that's what Joseph did for his brothers, and that's what Jesus does for us. Yeah. And in Acts 2, 
Peter says, Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. They had one intent, but God had another intent. And the last chapter in Genesis, we had Joseph saying, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There's two options that we can walk away with from these foreshadowing. One option is that it's coincidence. Or the other option is God's got his hand in it. Mathematically, it would be impossible for them by coincidence. Well, let's just see. How many of us have had these things happen in our lives? <laughs> not, not so much. That wasn't, wasn't my life, wasn't yours. But it's Joseph's life. It's Jesus' life. Shadow, the law having a shadow of things come. Thank you, people. Yeah, there was a good, very good input today. I really thank, thank you in the audience for your participation. We look forward to seeing you again next week. We start every week at 2 p.m. And share, your, share the link with others. Oh, we got somebody coming in. Did I just, they get the final word. Oh, I just did that. How did I do that? <laughs> I want to I wanna stop the video on one of our attendees. There we go. I want to apologize for that. I was clicking on the exit button, and I ended up clicking on something else. <laughs> I apologize for that. Okay, thanks, everybody, again for your input, and we'll be looking forward to seeing everyone next week. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye.